0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. This week, we're talking about money. So if you came for the first time last week, this is quite a doozy. Talking about sex and money on the first two weeks that you've come to this church, I promise it's not always like this. It kind of is always like this, actually. But um, we're still excited that you're here. But we're talking about money. And whether we want it to be or not, money is super important to our culture. Money is super important to the world in which we live in. And so, this is not going to be your typical church money talk that many of you have probably heard. I know I heard many times growing up in the past that, you know, uh, if you give me 10 bucks, God's going to give you 100 bucks or anything like that. You know, be you know, blessed to be a blessing. And this is not a prosperity gospel kind of deal here, okay? That's not the kind of approach that we're going to take to money. We're going to talk about money in a different kind of way. But I know for my family, I was very fortunate and very blessed when I was engaged that uh, someone in my father-in-law's church sponsored my wife and I to go through Financial Peace University. And if you don't know what that is, that's this sort of like 10-week, I think, Jen, is it 10 weeks? I think it's a 10-week class that um, is put on by this guy named Dave Ramsey. Some of you guys love Dave Ramsey and you think he's the fourth figure of the Godhead. Others of you think that he's just a total jerk. And that's okay. Wherever you fall on it, what he says is true. And what he says works, okay? It's like, it's super legit. And so my wife and I were able to go through that, and it absolutely revolutionized the way that we approach money, that we thought about money, that we, we handle money, that we allow money to affect us and impact us and guide our decisions and our thoughts and the way that we live life. We, we, you know, I think one of the things that he says in there is that rather than us serving money, we need to get money to serve us. And that's a big, big, big paradigm shift for a lot of people. And so the Bible is very, very explicit about money. But the reason that it talks so much about money in the Bible has nothing to do with money. Is that interesting? The reason that, uh, let me say that again, because some of you, your eyes kind of went crossed. you were like, Mom, what did he just say? Did I hear him right? The Bible is very explicit about money. And the reason it speaks about money so much has nothing to do with money. The reason it talks about money so much has everything to do with your devotion. It doesn't have to do with your money. It has to do with your heart. It has to do with your, your, your perspective, your mindset, your approach to money. Because God's major competition in dependence is not Satan. You know? I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever uh, sat in your bed and thought, hmm, who am I going to be dependent on? God or Satan. Right that's not really a conversation that a lot of people have. Satan's not the main competitor competitor for our dependence and for us to put our trust in and for us to rely on and for us to find our security in. You know what is the main competitor? Money. Money. Because we find our security in money. We find our hope in money. We find our rest and our joy and our peace in money. We place our dependence on money. And so when the Bible's talking about money, yeah, it's about money, but really it's more about where our heart is and where our head is and what our perspective and approach to money is, that money has the right place in our lives, and that's not the number one spot. And so that's why the Bible talks so much about it. And Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. So basically Jesus is saying here he's saying listen guys here's the deal there's a tension inside of you there's a tension inside of many of us of who or what is going to call the shots what's got that number 1 spot what's the main influencer in our lives what's the main guiding principle what's the main like flagship that we're following after what's going to call the shots is it money do we put our trust in finances and our income? Is our security lined up in the number on our paycheck or the, 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 the number in our bank account? Does wealth and stability all of this um, uh, depend on money, or is it God? Through prayer, and worship, and the scriptures, and Christian community, where do we find these things? Where is our dependence found? And so in this idea and, and lane of talking about guardrails and, uh, you know, setting up barriers and avoiding, you know, danger zones and crashes and all this stuff, there's a giant ditch that I want us to kind of talk about a little bit that we need to avoid, that we need to place a guardrail around so that we don't find ourselves in there kind of wallowing and lost and just, you know, bumming out and saying, why does life happen this way and why does money and work and blah, 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 and then we're just like, you know, loathing in it. There's a big, 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 big ditch that we need to avoid, and that ditch is the consumption assumption, assuming that everything is for our consumption. That's a huge red flag. That is a landmine waiting to explode in your life. Everything that comes your way is for you to consume. That, that's sort of the idea, right? All the dollars that come in, become a house, and they become a car payment, and they become things in your home. They become the latest and greatest in technology, and the latest upgrade, and all these different things. And we consume, and consume, and consume, and consume, and consume. Oh, I got an extra $50. I'm going to go spend that on this, that, and the other, and consume, and consume, and consume, and consume, and consume, and consume. And the thing is, we rationalize it, and we kindly label it, oh, well, I'm just a spender. You know? I'm just, I'm a spender. I, it, it's, it's just who I am. It is what it is. Right? And we kind of rationalize it. That every dollar that comes in has to go right back out. It has to be spent right away. But then there's another side of this sort of ditch that we need to avoid, that we believe everything that comes to us is for us to consume, is that we, we hoard it. And we keep it all to ourselves. And we hold on to, well, what if one day this? Or what if one day that? Or what if I get sick? Or what if I lose my job? Or what if, 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 what if? And then we kindly rationalize that as a saver. Oh, I'm just a saver. You know, oh, I'm just a spender, I'm just a saver, but really it's putting us right in the center of all of it, and we're consuming, 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 and both of these perspectives are fueled by greed, and greed is one of those things that you can't look in the mirror and say, that's a greedy guy right there, looks good, but man, am I greedy, right? Like, that's not something that we see ourselves. You can't see greed in the mirror because we rationalize, I'm not greedy, I'm a saver, I'm not greedy, I'm careful, I'm not greedy, I'm a planner, I'm not greedy, I just like stuff, so I got to buy all the stuff, you know what I mean? We rationalize it to ourselves, but Jesus teaches on greed all throughout Scripture, and he talks about it, and he, he, he hits on it, and he basically says, listen, greed is the assumption that it's all for our consumption, it's this idea that it's all about us, that all the dollars that come in are for us, and all the dollars that come in, we're going to you know, decide what happens, this, that, and the other, and here's the deal, little caveat here. You can be really, really poor and be really, really greedy. It's not just people that have money. Like I said, it has nothing to do with the dollars, the little pieces of paper. It has everything to do with our heart and our mindset. You can be really, really rich and be really, really greedy. Greedy is this idea that everything that comes to me is for me. And it's either consumption now, right, which is the consumer or the spender, or it's consumption later, which is the hoarder and the saver. And the problem with this, the problem with this perspective and this mentality is that it leaves us living like there is no God. It leaves us living like there is no God. It doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. It doesn't mean that you hate God and you sat on your bed and you did have that conversation and say, yep, I serve Satan, that's it, right? (laughs) That's not what it means. It means that we live like there's no God. You may love God, you may go to church, you may respect the Bible, but when it comes to big decisions and it comes to the calling in your life, it comes to you feeling an unction of the Holy Spirit to do something, right? The real question that we ask ourselves, the real deciding factor is, where is this going to leave me financially? Really feel like God's calling me to take this job, but what does that do to my bank account? What does that mean, the kind of car that I have to drive now? What does that mean, the kind of house that I have to live in? What does that mean to my bottom dollar, my bottom line? Then we think, okay, now let me pray about this. Now that I've got all the numbers in place and it seems like it's going to be a great idea financially and that obviously the Holy Spirit is in the numbers and so the numbers all line up, now let me pray and see if this is God's will. And I mean, the sad thing is, that's the reality for like most of us. And this is not like a fun, happy-go-lucky, hey, we're going to leave this place excited about Jesus. Hopefully it is. But some of you right now are like, man, I need to pretend like I'm going to go to the bathroom so I can get the heck out of here. This guy's crazy. Right? <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's kind of a reality check for us because the Bible talks a lot about money because our perspective and approach towards money can be so skewed and so shaded and so messed up. And so here's the guardrail that I want to... I want to sort of forward the idea I want to forward this morning. The, the guardrail that I think can help us avoid this whole greed trap and, and help us to kind of shift our perspective, shift our way of thinking and our approach to money. And I believe that this guardrail, if we put it into practice, will absolutely radically revolutionize and change your life. And I know people that have put this guardrail into place, and it has. Time and time again, it will absolutely radically, emphatically change your life. And it's this. It's simple. It's three words. Very simple. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. It even kind of rhymes. Give, save, live. That's a guardrail that you can put in place in your finances, and it will radically change your life. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. If you want to use the terms that we were just using a few minutes ago, it's give, hoard, consume. (laughs) But it's give, save, live. And here's what's so important. It's in that order. Give, then save, then live. In that order. That's the guardrail. And that will absolutely, radically, emphatically change your life. But it's very important that it's in that order. It's not, I'm going to live, 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 and then, oh, look, there's someone who needs something, but I don't have any money left because I just lived, so I'll get them next time. Oh, I don't have any money in savings because we went to the movies 30 times this week and went out to eight 500 times this week, and I'd love to say, but I've kind of just sort of misprioritized things a little bit because we didn't do it in that order. Give, save, live. That's the order. Give, save, live. And so the idea here, I kind of even broke it down in percentages for you guys. The idea here, sort of outlined in scripture, sort of outlined in all these money gurus and stuff, give 10%, save 10%, live on 80%. That's sort of the idea. That's sort of the, the nuts and bolts of the little guardrail that we're talking about this morning. Give 10%, not because God needs your money. Right? I already told you. It's not about the paper and the, and the dollar bills and the coin. That's not what it's about. God doesn't need your money because it all belongs to God anyway. What it's doing is it's training your heart and training your mentality and putting yourself in the right perspective that money is not more important than God. God comes first. So when you give first, you say, I know what God has called me to do and who God has called me to be, and I know the p- position that money has in my life. It's not first. Giving is first. That's first and foremost. That's why we do it, right? And then we save because you do need to be responsible and a good steward of God's money, right? Right? That is important. He's entrusted you with certain, um, you know, incomes and salaries and all this stuff. I'm not saying to be a Christian, you've got to be a poor beggar pauper. Like, I'm not saying that at all. But God, because ha- God has entrusted us to money. And some of us, he's given more trust with money than others, right? That's just the reality of it. And so we do need to be good stewards of that. We do need to save. One of the things that Dave Ramsey says is have a security fund so that when things happen, because here's the deal, debt is dumb, Being in debt is dumb. And you can be mad at me all you want, but it's the truth. Being in debt is dumb. You're living above your means. You don't need to live like that. That's not God's best for you. That's not the best life that you can live, being in debt. Scriptures say that the borrower is slave to the lender. It says that. And that's the truth. My wife and I, when we were in Georgia, uh, we were youth pastors down there for a few years. And, but we knew that God had called us to come to Michigan, come to Metro Detroit and start a church. And we knew that that was God's calling on our lives. We were down. We were ready. We wanted to do it. We were so pumped about it. But we were in debt. We had credit cards. You know, hers were from like, what, Maurice's? I don't even know what that is, but it's some clothing store. She turned 18. She's like, swipe, swipe, swipe. Let me get married. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Secret credit cards. Sweet. We gave Old Navy like the name of our firstborn child. We owed them so much money. Um... It's like Jude, Old Navy, Anderson. Um, but we were in like major debt. I mean, I had debt too. I threw my back out in college, had no money. So I, ch- 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 I went, <laughs> funny, I went to this chiropractor. It was called Free Chiropractic. Dude's last name was Free. I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, it'll be $800. I'm like, well, what? I thought you said you were free. He's like, no, that's my name. I'm like, you're a jerk. Um, <laughs> but we knew what God had called us to do. We knew where God wanted to take us. But listen, We were paralyzed financially. We couldn't do it because we knew the payments that we had on our cars and on our credit cards and all of our stuff that we had to wait. We had hit the pause button. We said, you know what? We can't do this. The first thing we got to do is we got to get our finances in order so that we could actually do what God has called us to do because we were in debt. I mean, how often does that happen to us? That's why giving is important. That's why saving is important. So we don't go to Uncle MasterCard and Aunt Discover and hope that they can kind of solve our problems for us, because they don't. They charge you boatloads of interest, and then you're screwed even more. right? Debt is dumb. Stay away from that. And then the last 80% is to live on 80%, because the culture in the world we live in, I mean, let's be real, it takes money. Money is how we live. That's That's the currency we use. You have to eat, right? Nobody wants to see you with no clothes on. You need to buy clothes. Right? These, are, these are things that we need to have. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We need to be careful that money is something that we use, not something that we serve. Does that make sense? That's what this whole guardrail is about. Money is something that we use, not something that we serve. And this is a guardrail. This is not like, like I said earlier. This is not like a monastic covenant of poverty that you have to make. That's not what we're saying. We're saying money Money in and of itself is fine. It's It's whatever as long as our heart and our perspective approaches it properly, then it can be a really, really great thing. You can find the most joy in your life in that first 10% where you're giving, and giving, and giving, and you get to bless people, and you get that pregnant waitress, and you leave them a $150 tip, and you're like, you You stand out the window and you're watching, you're like, this is so great. Like, that stuff's fun! That stuff is awesome! And you'll find joy in that. But you gotta get everything else in order. You gotta get this stuff in order. That's the guardrail. Give, save, live in that order because this is the deal. This is the key to financial independence. Financial independence is independent of serving money because how many of us spend most of our day serving money, most of our time serving money, most of our thoughts serving money, most of our attention serving money, most of our energy serving money? Think about it. Be honest. Is that the perspective you want? Is that how you want to spend your time on this planet? Serving money? Probably not. When you sit back and think about it, you're like, yeah no, yeah, no, not really. Not really. That's not really what I want to do. But this is the key. Give, save, live. This guardrail can radically and drastically change everything. Because then you can say, yeah, I live my life fully, completely devoted to God. If God calls me to do this, I can do it. I don't have debt hold me back. I don't have finances and money and the what ifs and what ain'ts and whatevers. Hold me back. If God tells me to do this, I can do this. If God calls me here, I can go here. God calls me to to do this job, I can go do this job. God calls me to this arena, I can do this arena. I I can fully do what God has called me to do because money is just stuff I use. I don't serve it, it serves me. And it's a flipped perspective. And it's essential for us avoiding the ditch of greed. The thing that can totally consume us keep us trapped and so here's what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 he says no one can serve two masters either you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other and then he goes on to say you cannot serve both God and money no matter how hard we try we cannot serve God and money and then skipping ahead a few verses to Matthew chapter 6 verse 31 he says this so do not worry saying what shall we eat what shall we drink what shall we wear Right? He go ahead and does this, like, this like, M&M thing at the end of the 8 Mile movie where he goes ahead and steals all their lines right before. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No? You haven't seen 8 Mile because you're all going to heaven, right? Good for you. Super Christians in the room. Well, those of you who are um, not so super Christian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus kind of goes and he answers their questions before they ask them. Right? He goes back and he says, listen, so don't worry saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? Because they're sitting here saying, okay, Jesus, you're saying we can't serve God, we can't serve money at the same time. But if we serve you, how are we going to live? How are we going to eat? How are we going to drink? How are we going to have clothes? How is all this stuff going to go on? We have these same questions. We can't look at this and say, oh, well, those guys are idiots because we're in the same boat, right? We ask the questions, well, how am I going to get my kids through college? How am I going to afford a home? How am I going to have a new car? How am I going to go on family vacations? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? When can we do this? When can we do that? Listen, please, please, don't lie in bed at night and allow money to steal your peace and your joy. Little pieces of paper. Don't allow that to steal your peace and your joy. Don't allow money to consume your thinking and to be front and center because if that's what's going on, chances are that is what you're serving. That is what's ruling your life. Please don't let that be you. Please. Please. He goes on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, he says, For the pagans run after these things, whether you're rich or you're poor or whatever. If you're being consumed and all you think about is what about the future? What about my kids' future? What if we get sick? What if we this? What if that? Money, 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 dollars, 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 dollars. He says, listen, you're living like the pagans live. He says, you're living like a pagan. He's saying you're living as if there is no God. You're living as if God could never intervene. You're living as if God doesn't know and God doesn't care what you got going on. And so you're taking all the weight of it and all the burden and all the stress saying, oh, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. See, it's about the heart. It's about our perspective. It's about our focus. It's not about the money. It's about God saying, hey, do you not know that I know what's going on? Do you not know that I care about what you got going on? Do you not know that? Because you're acting like you don't. I mean, Jesus, Jesus addresses that. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, he says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He goes through and says, guys, you're asking these questions. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How's this going to go? He says, do you not know? You're living like pagans. Do you not know that God knows that you need that stuff? God knows what your struggles are. God knows what your worries and your apprehensions are. God knows what your anxieties are. God knows what your desires are. God knows what your needs are. Maybe his definition of needs is different than your definition of needs. I need a private jet. God's going, no, you don't. Right? But God knows What you need. But the reason that we worry and have anxiety about this stuff is because we're not sure that he knows. God, you see, you see my bank account right now, right, man? Like, you know what's going on here, right? Like, you see that. You know? Because we're not sure that he's actually gonna do anything about it. Oh man, I gotta figure this out. This is on me. Ask yourself, seriously. Ask yourself Do you truly believe that he knows? And do you truly believe that he cares. I mean, be honest. Do you think that God knows that you want to put your kids through college? Do you think God knows and cares that you need a place to live? Do you think God knows and cares that you have bills? Do you think God knows and cares that you need to eat? Do you think God knows that? Do you think God cares about that? Because if the answer is no, if you're like, no, I don't think he does, then chances are God's not in that number one spot. Chances are we need to shift our perspective a little bit. But then on on the flip side, what would it look like if we did live like that? If we did live like, you know what, I know God's got this. I know God cares. I know God knows. Not being lackadaisical and like sitting with our feet up and saying, oh, yeah, God's going to pay my bills. That's not what I'm saying at all. Don't get it twisted, okay? I mean, we're working hard and we're doing our thing, but realizing that that God's watching. God's in it with us, right? He says this in Matthew 6.32. He says, And your heavenly father knows. He knows. He knows what you need. He knows what you got going on. He knows what you gotta have. He knows about your kids. He knows about your future. He knows about your stresses. He knows about your current bills. He knows about your future bills. He knows what's going on. And when you really believe that, you live differently, you approach life differently, your perspective is different. Does it mean it's rainbows and unicorns and butterflies all the time? No, not at all. We're human. Are we going to stress out? Yes. But we just kind of need a perspective shift and say, whoa, 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 wait a second. Hang on a second here. Hold on, hold on. God knows what's going on. I know where money is in my life and in my, my priorities. God knows where that is. He's got me. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do what I can. But I know he's got me. I know he's got me. And it changes everything. Jesus says, listen, there's a different way. The very next verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first. He says, but seek first. Because evidently, everybody's been seeking, where am I going to eat? Where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? How is this all going to work? That's what the pagans are doing. He says, no, 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 listen. Seek first. If you believe that God knows and God cares, the first logical step is to seek God first. He says, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Seek first His kingdom and righteousness. Hey, I got this job offer. Let me ask God first about what's going on. Hey, I got this money. Let me seek God first of what I should do with this. He says, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things. You know what all these things are? All the things that we worry about, all the things that we can't control, all the things that we try to consume and to hoard and to hold on to. He says, all these things, you'll be taken care of. They'll be given to you as well. You know why? Because God knows and God understands what you got going on. And like I said earlier, our definition of needs and God's definition of needs may be a little different. So don't get all salty when you lose your brand new Jaguar. But I needed that. Don't get all salty. God's like, ah, you don't need that. Right? Here's a 2003 Yukon with a dent and rust all over the bottom, and you can hear my exhaust coming from three blocks away. Thanks, God. I'm thankful. I'm not complaining. He says, that's what you need. You got 50 kids. Put them all in that thing. Got it. Message read loud and clear. Okay. The definition of what we need may be different than what we want. But God says, listen, follow me. Seek me first. And my righteousness and my kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. The promise of Jesus is if we seek him first, he'll take care of us. He knows the needs that we have. He knows the needs that we have. And so I guess the question this morning is how will you respond? How do you respond to what Jesus is saying here? Don't get pissed at me. I'm just telling you what Jesus said, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then Matthew six thirty one through 33. So do not worry saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so my challenge for you this morning is to be honest with yourself. Who is seriously calling the shots in your, in your life? Who or what is really calling the shots in your life? Is it money? Is it stuff? Is it your bank account? Is it your paycheck? Is it the security that you find in all those things? Or is it God? Like I said, this is not about dollars and cents. This is about our heart and our perspective. And so the guardrail that we're forwarding this morning that I'm saying, guys, I promise this will help. I promise this will change your life. It's give, save, live. 10, 10, 80. Give 10, save 10, live on 80. Give, not because Central Church needs your money. You know? I'm not giving, I don't. I just want to be very clear, I don't get like a, a bump in salary or a raise or anything because you guys gave a better offering that week, okay? It's not the way it works around here. We're actually in a very unique position that all the offering that comes in goes right back into ministry. All of our salaries and stuff come from rentals and things like that. So what you guys give doesn't impact the pastoral staff. We don't exist and collect money to keep ourselves in existence. That's not the way that it works around here. Some churches, that's the case. It's not how it is around here. Okay. When you guys give, it goes in. Not that Central Church needs your money. We do have a big vision that costs money, and we want to do campuses, and we want to do multiple locations and all that stuff. That's in our heart. That's in our vision. It does take money for that. But you know what? Central Church doesn't need extraordinary givers. We just need obedient givers. That's good. We don't need anything that's crazy and out of the, out of the, the box and, oh, man, this person gave $500,000. I'm like, I haven't even made $500,000 in my entire adult life, Right? I'm serious, and I probably won't for another, like, five years, let's be honest. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) ten. It's not that we need these extraordinary, no, we just need obedience. It's like scripture, to saying, hey, this is the guardrail, this is what God has called us to do. Save, be good stewards of God's money that he's entrusted to you. Don't feel like a jerk if you're putting money in savings. Because you do need to be responsible. Borrower is slave to the lender. If everything in your life falls apart, do you have a savings to take care of that? Or like I said, do you go to Uncle Discover and Aunt MasterCard and all this stuff to try and make it happen, right? It's important to be good stewards of God's money, but then also live. Money is something that we use, just keep it in the rightful place. Don't feel like a jerk if you drive a nice car. Don't feel, if, you're, if your money is in priority and God has decided to bless you, in certain, don't feel like a jerk for that stuff, okay? This is not, like I said, a monastic call to poverty, If you follow Jesus, you must be poor, broken, and wounded, okay? That's not the case. But at the same time, money needs to be in its proper place. Our perspective and our heart needs to be in the right place when we approach money because financial independence is living like your ultimate dependence is not on your finances. Your ultimate dependence is on God. Does that make sense? That's huge. And so maybe for you this morning, it's baby steps. You guys ever seen What About Bob? Like the best movie ever, right? What about Bob, baby steps? Maybe for you it's not 10, 10, 80. Maybe for you it's like 1, 1 98 at first. And, and you know what, that's okay. That's better than 0, 0, 100, okay? So maybe for you it is baby steps. Maybe for you it's like, hey, you know what? I just got this $100, I'm gonna take $1 and set it aside and put in the offering. Awesome, perfect. You know what that's doing? It's conditioning your heart. It's shifting your perspective. It's not about the dollar bills. I don't know how many times I have to say that. Maybe it's baby steps, you know? Maybe it's 5, 5, 90. Maybe it's 4, 6, 94 if you like to do odd, weird numbers, whatever, but you gotta start somewhere in shifting your perspective and shifting your approach to money. Money is something we use, not something we serve. Does that make sense? Money is something that we use, not serve And So I want us to get real with ourselves this morning. How am I gonna respond to this? Maybe you're in here, you're thinking, man, okay, got it. I got to start, I got to cut this, that, this, that, and this. That'll free up this, that, this, that, and this. And then I can do this, that, this, that, and this. You know, the wheels are already turning for some of you. Some of you are like, nope, holding on to all of it. It's for me. I work hard for this junk. Mm-mm. That's okay. That's okay. We see a ditch coming right in front of you. You don't want to get out of the way. That's on you, you know? But I think all of us can kind of look at this and say, okay, yeah. I may need to shift a few things. I may need to sort of shake up my perspective and kind of maybe go the way Jesus is talking about here because maybe that'll help me in my journey, you know? So I'm gonna give you guys an opportunity, and a chance to, to, to kind of do some business with God this morning. The band's gonna lead us in two more songs. You can sing, you can respond, or you can sit there and you can bust out your Google notes and start making lists. You can do what you need to do, but I want you to interact with God and do business about what we talked about this morning before we leave and pray that the lions destroy the cowboys, okay? Let's just take a few minutes and let this settle. Let this resonate. Let's do some business with God for ourselves, okay? Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.